guys, this week I have Jacqueline Edmondson with me and I'm so excited she's here. We have been friends for years and I'm so ready for you guys to know her and the project she's a part of because I just think she's incredible. Hey, Jack. Hey, Kels. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad you're here. I would love, as usual, if you start by sharing your story, who you are, what you're doing, and how you got to where you are. Yeah. So, um, I work in the film industry as a freelancer. Um, definitely, it was interesting how I got into it. I mean, I don't, it was just kind of a hunch. Uh, going into college, you kind of try to ask yourself, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? Uh, and I believe it was my dad just asked me, you know, what are you passionate about? What would you have fun doing? And my answers came up. I love people. I love their stories. Um, I love hearing people out um, and just the inspiration that people can have. And then... Um, the other thing I could think of was I love movies. I loved watching movies. Um, and it's funny that those are the only two things I could think of. But out of that, I thought, what if I was a documentary maker? Uh, which is just kind of a crazy thing to go into, um, just thinking I'll study film in school. But yeah, got into that. I think my program was called Electronic Media Electronic Media Production, something boring um, like that. <laughs> it's, it's like so much cooler now. They call it like film and entertainment. But yeah, yeah. Um, started taking classes and I just remember for the first time love being in school um like my heart would just be as they're talking about like technology and how cameras work and um I just remember texting my dad one time in the middle of a college class being like dad I like love learning like I've never felt that before school wasn't always my favorite thing and yeah, I just I really got into the program and just felt like there's something to this. It's more than just a hunch of maybe I'll enjoy this. Like I really, really could see myself doing this. Um, and so college was great and just was learning a lot. And, you know, even though you know what you want to do as far as like a broad picture industry-wise, and you don't want to be in the film industry, but there's still so many questions of, okay, where do I fall on that? And I remember, I think it was my... Junior year, they started a new uh, study abroad program specifically for the film program. And we split up in groups of three. And you were, we're going to fly to Florence, Italy and do a project on an artist out there. And so I got picked to be the director of my group, which was really awesome because I felt like that's what I wanted to do. Um, I kind of love being in that leadership role. And so um, before we went over there, I found this artist over there that had just a really inspirational inspirational story of just um finding out what you love and just doing it and she was um, an older woman with kids and already had a job but just decided to change her life and do something that she loved um and I just felt that very inspiring and I feel like a lot of people have a hard time doing that um and so we went over there we shot it it was just an amazing experience I just remember feeling so fulfilled and just these moments of just being just so thankful that I was there and just being excited for what I was doing. And I loved getting to know this woman, hear her story and know that I would get to tell it. I get to come back to America and tell this story and hopefully bring inspiration to people. And so we were over there for a month, came back and um, edited the story together for the whole summer after that. And then just started putting it into film festivals just to see what would happen. Uh, And man, it just started getting into festivals and it was just, I love checking my email because I was so excited to see if my submission made it in. And one after another, it just did. And I just felt like it was this huge affirmation of God, like 
you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. There's like something here. I keep following it. Um, so then ensued like a fun season of life, um, flying around with one of my film partners to LA and Las Vegas and getting to receive awards and watch people watch my film and come up afterwards and talk about how Sylvia, this woman in my film, changed their heart and inspired them. And it was just this huge season of like, this is it. This is what I want to be doing. And it also set me up really well because that was kind of when I was graduating college that all this was happening. Um, and so then there leads the whole question of what do you want to do now that you're not in school and you have to make money? And I knew a lot of my friends were going to work on sets and working under people and getting jobs in production companies. And um, something about that just never felt right to me, um, just going and working under someone. Um, and I, I realized it's because I didn't want to work under anybody. I wanted to work for myself. And um, it was a scary thing to realize that that's what I wanted. But at the same time, um, I grew up with a dad who's an entrepreneur. And like that was familiar to me. Um, working in the unknown and hustling for work didn't scare me. It excited me. That can, like The inconsistency actually excited me. Um, and so after I graduated, I went freelance and just began to network and to find jobs and to hustle a lot. And, um, you know, it wasn't always easy, but now it's been like two and a half years of doing that. And it's just so cool to say that because um, I had no idea where I would be at this point. But to think that like God allowed me to do what I love and support myself and sometimes barely support myself, but support myself for two and a half years has just been wild. Um, and now I find myself with um, working with two other women really closely um, in a production company that we're trying to start called Scout Fox Productions. And we're working on a, a big docu-series about gentrification here in Nashville. Well, here in Nashville, but also that topic's very relevant everywhere. Um, but yeah, that's been our last years working on that project. And it's just, I mean, it's just an honor. And I just thank the Lord that I get to do this. And yeah, it's all still so scary and still so unknown, but like day by day. I've been able to do what I love, and it's been just really awesome. Man, I could start by asking so many questions because I think it's so unique that you, your dad is an entrepreneur, and we talk about it almost every time we're together, how, how that has been really inspirational to you and how that shaped your life and, and what kind of mindset that cultivated in you growing up. I think we both have parents who told us um, – told us we could do anything and, and we believed it somehow. Um, and we both turned out as sevens on the Enneagram. <laughs> I mean, if anyone knows the Enneagram, Jacqueline's a, te a textbook seven. Um, and so am I. Um, but what, I mean, what is that like? I guess you don't have the dynamic of your family putting pressure on you to have stability. Um, right? Yeah. So no you, you kind of have the freedom to create whatever you want and have no family pressure of being something or established by X amount of age. Is that like the best thing in the world for you? Yeah. Yeah. That, that has been so solid for me. Um, I, I know my dad's once said, you know, the advantage of being an entrepreneur is everything is fair game. And that moves me. Um, I really like just that's that's the kind of thing that they both instilled in me both my parents is that anything's fair game like if you feel passionate about it if you feel peace in the Lord like this is what you're supposed to do 
then like everything will figure itself out. The money will be there. Like it might come the day before, but the money will be there. Um, the opportunity will come as long as you work hard and meet them halfway. And like, that is what has been instilled in me. And like, it's also my dad's hardships and like the way that my parents have held times that were hard when money wasn't coming in, when money that was promised didn't come in. It makes my walk a little bit easier because that stuff happens to me. But I found the fact that they, they got through it. They're where they are now. They supported a whole family on that lifestyle. Like, um, it's, it, it gives me a lot of, okay, this is just how the world works. It's sometimes it's just really hard. Um, but it's okay. Um, cause this wow. is where I want to be and this is what I want to do. And so that has just been, it's been everything. And when I first graduated college too, you know, just so much support in the freelance and wanting to do freelance artwork. Um, cause my dad works in the tech side of things. Um, so then now I'm working in the art side of things and they just were so accepting and like, Hey, come move in with us until you get on your feet. Um, and that, that was really huge for me too. Um, so it, the support is everything. It really, I gave them so much credit for the fact that I've been able to do what I been wanting to do for these past few years. Yeah. And I'll be the first to say, like, I've said this here on the podcast before, but we, um, you know, you might not have a family that's your home team or that, you know, is quite as supportive or tells you you can do anything, but find that in friends, find that in a mentor because it, it really makes a world of difference. Wouldn't, wouldn't you say, I mean, you have an incredible group of friends as well who have encouraged you along your journey and believed in you. The power of belief is so impactful. Yeah, no doubt. And also I give so much credit to Nashville in general too, because when I go to a coffee shop in the middle of the day, day to work, I'm one of many. Uh, it's fun being in this, a city too that's very supportive and it's easy to gain that community of I'm sitting here working on my premiere editing um, some work and someone comes alongside me and realizes I'm on the same program they use and we get to talk and commute. So yeah, it's, it's finding that community wherever you find it. Um, not walking something alone and just someone that can encourage you. That, that's just huge. It's just huge. Nothing's meant to walk alone. So I agree with you on that. So tell us about your production company. What are you doing? Yeah, so that... I... It's me and two other women, Katie and Gabby. And Katie actually was uh, my my cinematographer for the movie that I did out in Italy. So we walked that project out together, and we knew that we worked really well together. Sometimes you find those people that just read your mind and that you just – they not only read your mind, but they enhance your thoughts. They better your opinions, your your ideas. And she was that for me. And so – from that, we knew we wanted to work together. But after college, we both kind of went our different ways um, as far as uh, work. And then it was December of 2015. We we kind of got back together along with our friend Gabby and started talking about this idea of gentrification, um, which is basically just talking about, you know, in a growing city, a lot of times um, when things things start to change and places become cooler prices start to rise like a whole city dynamic changes and unfortunately a lot of people get pushed out in that process people who this has been their home forever and now because it's just cool and hip and trendy they can't live there anymore and it's just kind of this I mean it's just a it's a very layered and deeply rooted issue but um because Nashville is rising a lot and um it's changing and it's developing and there's cranes everywhere 
this word had just been thrown out so much. And we decided we were really interested in it and just thought we would just start researching it. And so, and us being journalists and filmmakers, we thought, let's make a documentary on this. So we wanted to um, start booking interviews with people and we kind of needed some credibility. So honestly, within a couple of days, we made up an entire company. Um, we decided we'd fake it till we make it. So we built, a, we, it's called Scott, for, Scott Fox Productions and we opened up an Instagram account. We created a whole website. We paid someone to make a logo for us. We like just built this entire company and we got an email address so that when we sent out requests, hey, this is what we're doing. We're a production company. We're doing a project on this. Can we interview you? We would look credible and they would say yes. Um, and so it started off as that. And we started getting a lot of interviews. And as we we're going through this and just learning, I mean, our hearts were being changed, which I think that was the most surprising part was it was more so an educational documentary. And that's just learning the fact that we were listening to people and a lot of people we would have never come in contact with if it weren't for this project. Um, man, our hearts were just changing and we were learning how to be a better neighbor. And I was feeling convicted for the language that I'd use, you know, calling my street sketch or hood or ghetto. I'm like, I mean, I'm, you know, embarrassed that I would call it that now. Now I call it diverse. Um, I just was, there's a lot um, that we were learning. And so we just kept going. We were fueled. We were passionate. And it became not just an educational documentary about gentrification, but a, a, a film about how to be a good neighbor, how to open conversation and let that conversation drive you and change you. And um, it's been really, really cool. And so, yeah, we, so we started doing that. And honestly, we're, that was, it's been over a year now that we've been doing that. Um, and through all of this, we love working together and we work well together. And I think all of our strengths play into weaknesses and, you know, we're kind of a good match. So even though we faked this company, we thought, you know, we should actually like do something with this. So then we started calling ourselves a real company and, um, we have done real work underneath our name. And, you know, once this documentary finds a home, we'll pursue our company a little bit more and make it more legitimate. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of funny. We just, we kind of made it all up, but now we're, we're committed and, you know, looking to make this into a real thing as well as continue, um, our project called the gentrified us. I mean, it's absolutely a real company. I mean, I, I love your project, the gentrified us. And as I just said that I sounded just like my mother who equally loves it. Like was like, show me the, show me the trailer. Um, and so, you know, I just think it's really incredible to truly like, you know, understand what it means to love your neighbor and to understand displacement in your city. Um, because obviously there's like a, a huge, um, migration to cities right now anyways, um, wherever we are. And, and that that's happening and there is a better way to do it. What have y'all learned, um, in this process about cities that are doing it well? And I, I know you've interviewed city planners. Um, what have you learned along the way about, um, it's, it's obvious that streets are going to be renovated and people are going to purchase these housings that houses that people may have rented for 
you know, the past 30 years and can no longer rent because its owner is going to sell it for a million dollars. You know, what does that tangibly look like? I mean, I think at the end of the day, what we realize is growth is going to happen. And that's not a bad thing. Like we cannot say how much we love some of the gentrified areas. I mean, that's honest. Like I love 12 South in Nashville, which is like filled with lots of cool coffee shops and, and shops and donut places. And I love that. And it did not used to be that. Um, so I'm not saying it's a bad thing for a city to grow. Um, right. I think it's just, okay, our city is growing. How in your power can you be a good neighbor? And like I use this example, <clears throat> if you own a business or a building, a home, and someone offers you a lot of money and you want to take it, I'm not saying that's wrong, but I'm saying go look them in the eyes. And, you know, I, we interviewed one person who um, had a barbershop in that 12 South area and he said he literally just showed up at work one time and there was a note on his door that said, you got 30 days to leave. This is his business. This is something he worked hard to open. This is how he makes a living, support his family and himself. And he just walks up to a, a note that says 30 days. Um, and so while I understand that, like it's, it's, that's fine to sell your, your building. That's cool. But how about instead just walk into his shop, look in his eyes you know, tell him, Hey, I'm sorry. This is something I need to take. Um, I wish you the best of luck. Um, or maybe fight for 60 days for him instead of 30. Like there's these small changes that we all can just do a better job at being a good neighbor. And like, because now his attitude is like, they didn't want me. I don't have a place. They didn't care. Um, I just got pushed out. And it, it's this bitterness in him that like, I don't know, could possibly instill it in his children. Um, about, white people or about business owners or about city people. Like if that man had been given the respect of just looking in his eyes and um, he could have been like, well, he at least cared about me and that bitterness wouldn't exist right now. So there's just this cycle of things that like we could just change to be better and be more thoughtful and um, be more personable about this city growing. There's another business owner that lives in a, a place where he's, he strategically places his business um, in a low, low income area and hires young men in that neighborhood to help him make skateboards. And he wants to create them to be leaders and to, um, and to bring pride back into their neighborhood and to love their neighborhood and call it diverse and, and beautiful instead of just thinking that they live in the hood or like, that's what people are telling them. Um, there's just, those are different powers that those people have, but like, Everyone has something. If I'm just a person who lives in a neighborhood that's diverse, I can just do in my power to like meet my neighbors, to love on them, to tell them I love living next door to them. There's just something that everyone can do. And that's kind of the moral of the story. Um, and what just the topic of gentrification has opened up. It's just we hear that people are at all different places in life and um, all different sides of this. But these stories that they're telling – I mean, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's just being a good neighbor, man. Like, that's just the end of it. Uh, and you, and you learn how to be a good neighbor by listening to people, um, that are a lot different than you. And so that's, that's just the big moral of the story that we've learned and what this conversation of gentrification has opened up for us all. Yeah. And I think that instead of moving into a neighborhood and polishing it up and filling it with people just like you. The moral of the story is to embrace the community that's already there around you instead of trying to change 
change the people that are there instead be a bridge and and really get to know and love and embrace the community that's already there around you um yeah and you're not there to create a culture you're there to be a part of an already established culture and to to learn to appreciate that like I love the story of that that skateboard shop and what they're doing because they're they're not trying to change the whole community by by changing the people that are there and filling it with, you know, more businesses. They're actually trying to empower the people that already live there, that that already call, you know, a certain part of town their home and have done so for 40 years. And, I mean, I'm sure this project has just given you um, the ability to see it through a different lens. Would you say that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, like I said, my language has changed. Um, yeah. I'm almost ashamed of the way that I used to see people or call a neighborhood. Um, just, I mean, I, it was actually through this um, Will Anderson who owns Salem Town Board Company that I was mentioning. I was just doing a video for him, and he was the one who really um, got me talking about all of this. But he was asking where I lived, and I, I straight up called it. I think I said, it's a little, it's a little sketch, thinking I was funny. And he didn't think it was funny. And he just looked at me and goes, what do you mean? Um, and and all the thoughts I was thinking in my head of how to explain and him to him why I thought it was sketch, I couldn't get myself to say it because it was like racist. And I was like, wow, okay, there's something in my heart that I'm not proud of. Um, he's like, you don't know those people. You don't know how hard they work to own that home. You don't know what they do on their daily. Like, you're judging them. And I was like, you're straight up right. This is wrong. Um, but like, if I'm doing this, like I'm no, I'm not alone in this. And um, there's this cycle of if I'm going to say it about them, if I'm going to say it to this neighborhood that I live in that this is sketch and that it's a little, you know, hood or whatever, then do they start? To, everyone on the street start to believe that? Am I creating a place that's not loving and that's just like there's no progress that comes in that? But if I start right. calling my street diverse economically and economically and being proud of it for that, then we're all going to grow up and go through the years proud of that and owning who we are. And like, there's something about just like having people believe in a street, um, in a person that changes the heart of it and that can push it to become better because of that. Um, and he talks about Will, um, from Salem town that, the language of like, oh, we cleaned up a neighborhood. Congratulations. Let's pat ourselves on the back. You cleaned nothing out. You just moved it to a different zip code. So instead of just pushing it off to where, you know, it's not inconvenient for you anymore, stick your hands in it. Like, love people. Let's change this. Let's change the like the heart and the mindsets of this area instead of just pushing it off to where I don't have to deal with it anymore. They can deal with it. Like, there's nothing that comes with that. You're not cleaning up anything. Um but people are kind of scared of what they don't know, scared of loving what is uncomfortable to them. And, you know, that's fine. I get it. I, I'm still there. I still have to work hard to, like, um, love people better. And it's just deciding to try, I guess. Wow. I mean, I, I just think it's really cool to see how you've allowed your mindsets to change. You haven't, you haven't been so prideful as to stay set in your ways and think, you know, I came into it with one perception and one reality, but you allowed yourself to change and grow. And I think that's the beauty of it all. And 
the beauty of what you guys are doing because you get to really shed light to um, people who have been marginalized and just pushed to the outskirts with every new um, housing boom and a new up and coming trendy section of a city, which, you know, I'm totally the candidate to want to move to a trendy section of the city. So it's um, very enlightening to learn how to better go about that and to better do that and to love my neighbors, not try to change them and fill a street with more people like me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, man, it's been a, it's been a ride. Um, I'm very thankful and yeah, there's just, there's just something about Man, just open up conversations with people. Like that just changes everything. Like, like that's the biggest lesson I've learned from this is just, you know, everyone has something to offer. There's more insight. Like never be closed minded. Always hear people out, like in every conversation. But definitely that's been a huge lesson in life that I've learned through this is just be an open mind and just love people and hear what they say out. And you never know, you know, how that's gonna change your heart and change who you are as a person. Have you developed like a deeper sense of hometown pride with Nashville? Yeah, I have. There's a sense of urgency too, though. I have like, now I have, I have so much pride in it, but I'm also very fearful of how it could change over the years. Like are, are my friends that I'm meeting that are barely holding on to their businesses and homes or are fearful of property taxes raising them being like not being able to afford it now because of how popular the city is. Like, are they all going to leave? Like, is it not going to be? This, um, I mean, not that I'm saying this is it's like a, uh, like a wonderful place where everyone is living in harmony with each other, but, uh, at least I'm seeing people who are different than me economically and racially every single day. And I think that's awesome and it's exciting. And I love that we're all able to live right next door to each other. Um, but yeah, I, I get this sense of urgency of like, is this going to change? Is this going to leave? Like, and I think that's where a lot of our, our drive comes with this work, um, with this documentary is we just want to get something out there to where people are just thinking about things and maybe, um, maybe we can preserve what we have going on here instead of making it all meant for one race, one economic, I'm getting priced out. I can't, I can hardly afford to live here. Um, I'm scared. I might have to leave. Yeah. What would, what would you say? I mean, obviously, it's been really a really exciting past few years for Nashville. It's like the buzz of the nation. Um, they put it on the the level of L.A. and New York um, at this point in time. What's it like when the prices start getting so high that, you know, it's a city built on the culture of creativity and music and artists, and artists can no longer afford to live there? It's funny. We talk about that a lot. Like, I think a lot of – I mean – you go around on the streets and you ask people why they're here. They're most likely going to say music. Like that is, you know, this is what we're here for. Um, and that is what I think has made Nashville this cool place. It's like, it's a place of artists and dreamers and people can start like their small businesses and it'll be successful because we love supporting small businesses and locally owned stuff and all that good stuff. Uh, yeah. And now it's become a place that everyone wants to be. And, all of the residential stuff that's being put up is not made for low to middle class people. It's like luxury apartments that are going up. And like, while that's awesome, I love like driving by them because they look cool. I'm like, but this isn't who's living here necessarily. Um, and there's a lot of apartment places here that are having a hard time filling them up. Um, and I think, and I'm kind of excited about that because <laughs> I just think 
that's not necessarily the majority here. Like there are a bunch of striving artists and like, that's what makes us so exciting. And yeah, we're all being pressed out here. Uh, like something has got to change. Like it just has to, uh, cause we're all working really hard to make barely live in what we live in now. And while that's kind of exciting and romantic in some ways, like how long can we do this for? It's just, it's, it's a weird, it's, it's kind of ironic and funny that who made it cool um, and who made the city what it is, like, can't even be here anymore, hardly. Right. Uh, it's sad, but kind of funny at the same time. Uh, I choose to laugh about it. Um, <laughs> like, why not? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, it's just totally true. I see that happening for sure. So what would you say it's like to, to share a project? I, I talk about this a lot on the podcast. What's it like to collaborate? Because obviously sharing your baby can be hard, but y'all have it. A whole other dynamic. Wow, I can't talk. A whole other dynamic introduced when, like, this is like how you edit, how you tie together footage, how you tell a story. Like, that's a that's a very big task that three of you guys at hand have and are sharing. Yeah. Um. It, it for sure. I I feel like maybe we had one really hard time with that where we were like, man, we're in disagreements. What do we do? Cause I am also very used to working on my own as a freelancer. Like I will direct edit shoot. It's all my idea, whatever. Um, so yeah, it is different when you work with other people and so intimately on something you care about so much. Um, but I mean, honestly, I, we generally work pretty well together. Um, as far as like my strengths, their weaknesses, their strengths, my weaknesses. Um, we kind of joke around about like if me, if we all have an idea, if me and Gabby have an idea that we were like, yes, this is right. But if Katie is like, no, it's not, we will bow down to her because if she, cause she, if she really has strongly thought on something, then I trust it. Cause usually she's pretty down with everything, but if she thinks strongly on it, you know, we easily will lay that down. We'll say, all right, Katie, let's do it. Um, and, and, and then also like if me and, Katie have a really great idea and we want to go with something, um, Gabby can activate that for us. Like I call her the activator. Um, while me and Katie can come up with ideas, sometimes we have a hard time getting it to work, but she's like, she can make crap happen. So we're like, you know, she's so important to us in that way. If we have a hard time making a decision. I usually can very confidently say, no, I think this is right. Um, and so they'll usually trust me in that. So there's this really great dynamic. We all talk about it and are very comfortable with that. Um, there, I mean, we, we just generally trust each other and that's why we work together is because I trust Katie creatively. I, I trust Gabby to get things done, to contact people, to be able to speak to people well and get their attention. Like we all, and they trust my judgment and my thoughts. Um, if I didn't trust them, then yeah, like this would not work. But that's like kind of the whole reason that we got together is because there was something special there with each other. Um, so collaborating in a sense has been pretty easy for us. So I definitely think it sounds like it all comes down to trust that no matter what opinion Katie asserts or Gabby asserts, you're, you're trusting that they have your and the project's best interests in mind, that their motives are always pure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that is the most important part of a, a collaboration is knowing that it's not like they're not just in it for them they're in it for the team and when you can trust that so much goes smoothly 
when no ev- doubt. when no every doubt. participant is in it for the greater mission at hand, not for their own self interest, myself included or yourself included. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I've I've watched them over. Like, I, I've known them for a couple years now, and I love their work creatively, and I I, I love their hardworking spirit, and I'm like, man, I just yeah. I bow down to who they are as, as uh, creatives and whatever. I'm like, y'all are rock stars. And I just, it's, it's good to trust that. Yeah, they are. I mean, they're, they're cool girls. So I, I mean, I'm glad to know y'all and to be a part of what you're doing and in any way possible. Cause I really believe in it. I believe it's a impactful um, to better understand how to love your neighbor. Have you guys gotten any pushback? Huh. Yes. Really? Uh, y- yeah. I mean, I don't know why I'm acting surprised, but I mean, tell us about it. Um, no, I, I laugh sometimes. I, I laugh sometimes. I get mad sometimes, but I'm laughing now. But they're, they're <laughs> you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a big topic, and there's a lot of very touchy subjects on that. And I, I generally think if, if anybody really sits down with us and hears our heart out in it, um, we don't get pushed back. But the, I get, like, sometimes if they just read one of our posts – they can think we're super one-sided of like, oh, a growing city's bad and all these people are just monsters and, you know, we need to, uh, you know, people who just don't really understand our point in it um, can be kind of vicious sometimes. Um, there was, <laughs> there was like one man recently, I can't remember exactly what he said. He commented on a post, I think on Facebook, but he's like, this has to be the, one of the most hilarious things on the internet today where were you guys in, you know, 1993 when, you know, all this was really happening? You're a little late to the game, like, um, kind of, I mean, just went off on a rant. And, um, I mean, I just had a laugh at it. I was like, well, in 93, like, I was a baby. Like, and he just didn't really understand the point of it. But And the point of it is it's it's never too late to start analyzing how to do this better and how to love your neighbor better. Right. But he literally was like, this has to be the most hilarious project on the internet today. I was like, okay. <laughs> but, um, I mean, this just has to be expected. Like there's going to be pushback. Um, and I, I, we know what we expect it. And we really do try to reach out to all those people and tell them our heart and all of it. Uh, but sometimes I don't have the energy to do that. I'm like, Oh, I don't want to deal with you right now. Like I'm tired. Uh, but honestly, I'd love to sit down with that guy and talk to him and get his opinion on stuff and honestly put him on camera. Like, why not? Because uh, I'm sure he's got he's got something to share. He's obviously strongly opinionated. Like, I'm preaching about having to listen to people, but, you know, I still got to listen to people who are going to get pushed back too um, and hear what they say because there could be some truth in what he's saying. Um, but, I mean, some truth. But then also calling out, there's definitely a lot of not a truth there I don't need to listen to. But, um, right. yeah, there's definitely been some of it. Wow, what an interesting experience. I mean, to to learn to navigate that and what is a touchy subject. I mean, obviously people want their city to grow. There's just healthy ways to do it in order to maintain the integrity of the city and the value of humanity. Um, I just, I applaud what you're doing and I I love um, the impact you guys are going to make on our society and the footprint you're leaving. I think it's incredible. So what would you say? I know you're into the Enneagram. What would you say um, that has played a role in understanding your team dynamics of you, Gabby and Katie? Um, if this answers your question, I really, we all have taken the Enneagram test. 
Um, and that has been really good for us. Just understanding how we function as people, not like, okay, yeah, we're business. We're like, think we're creatives. We're thinking of all that, but like, how are you as a person and how do you function? Like, and it's, you know, we kind of laugh at one. There was one time we were all hanging out. Me and me and Gabby are both, um, extroverts for sure. And Katie is an introvert and all of a sudden Katie just disappears and, we walk into the room and she's just sitting on the couch and she was like, I knew I'd be with you for a few hours. And I just had to like, you know, come be by myself for a second. And like, just, I mean, with me and Gabby, we were just talking, laughing, being silly. And like, we didn't even realize Katie had snuck away to like, she needed to get away from us. And like, that's okay. And just to love, like, like understand like who people are as a people, um, before you even get in. And like every meeting we have, um, we, we at least spend, 30 minutes to an hour talking about our life before we talk about anything business. Um, we go around in a circle and we say, what's new? What are we dealing with? What could we use prayer with? What are we having a hard time with? Like are any of the things that we're working on, like stressing you out? And we get that out of the way first. Um, and then once we feel like we all talked and understand where each other's at, that's when we get into business. And I think that's been really huge for us too. Um, because that means like we're not, we're not neglecting, our health as, you know, emotional health through all the busyness and craziness that we're going through. That's been a really sweet thing for us. Yeah. I think it's easy to just like get into business mode and um, make every time you hang out, especially when you're doing a passion project with a friend, um, make every time you hang out about the project or the business and it, it really is worth it to invest in your relationship. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I have to say, I think that's really huge. Um, we obviously really care about each other. And so that's also helps us be more mindful of each other and just, we know where we're at. So we know how to speak to each other. Well, that meeting, you know, maybe a little bit softer that meeting, if it's been a hard day or we know how to make someone's load a little bit lighter when we, we when we finally realize that that's been stressing them out and I didn't even know it. Um, but now I can take that off your shoulders. Like maybe I can do that for you. Um, just small things like that. It's, it's really been, um, very fruitful for us. Makes for long meetings, but it's worth it. Worth it. It is so worth it to like get to to do a project with someone you trust so much, you love so much, and um, you know I get to do that every day here at Radiant with Kelly and our team, and I, I just think it's so valuable and so worth it. And I've done it the wrong way before, where you know I've had a, a partnership where we were were really close, and and even today, like no hard feelings, but I think we learned the hard way. Oh, every time we got together, even with our husbands, all we talk about is, you know, our project and it took over our lives. And that is, um, that's a bummer. You know, it can't be the only thing you talk about because you'll lose passion over time. You know, you want to have that friendship basis there first. Um, unless you're one of those people that are like, don't mix friends in business. And, And that's very valid too. But obviously we do because we're partners with our friends and our business. <laughs> yeah. There's many times I find myself in a group setting with one of the girls and I start talking about the project and I literally stop myself like mid sentence. I'm like, never mind, We'll talk about it later. Like I do that all the time, but I really do value taking the time to like have a friendship with them and then have a business with them and like making sure that we have, we, we take the time just to be ourselves and to be a human and to enjoy time apart from our project. Well, it is so much of our heart in our life. It isn't our life. And like, we have to remember like to take care of ourselves first. So I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that even triggered the thought for me of like, what, 
what do you have to say about doing something super impactful? Like what you guys are doing is like a purposeful, feel good mission um, to better society and the world around us. But what, even that aside, what do you have to de- say about separating worth and work and life? Because, you know, I too have to navigate, you know, my life's work is, is impactful and I find it very valuable and I want to do it all the time. But I yeah. think still at the end of my life, the legacy I want to leave is friendship and family. I do yeah. want to have left an amazing mark on this world through my work, but I don't want it to take over 80 hours of my week all the time or much longer. So, you know, how do you navigate that of doing something super valuable and important, but it's still not the only mark you want to leave on this world? Yeah. I think it's hard when you become really passionate about something because it it's hard not to make it your identity sometimes. Um, yeah. Like in general, work is a struggle with, I think, everyone to, you know, what you do is like your identity and just realizing that that's just crap. Like um, you're so much more than what you do. But I think that even gets a level harder when you actually love what you do and you feel passionate about it. And you feel a responsibility for it and like um, a drive to see this to an end, um, a successful end. It's hard not to see that as your identity. But I mean, I think the moment like you forget who you really are, is it's a disservice to your project. Um, I think there's a, a level of authenticity that can be lost if it becomes your everything. Um, but then also like realizing I'm not, it's not my job to save the world here. Um, yeah. and, and I want my project to change the world. I do, but it's not my power. Um, there's something way bigger than anything I can even do with this project. And I'd say like, that's where God takes the lead. Like I can't make, I can't make this do anything if God's not going to be in it and not going to take it to these big places that it's going to be. And like, I'm going to be a servant to it, this project, and I'm going to work really hard, but like, it's not me at the end of the day, who's going to make this into anything. Like it will be whatever he wants it to be. And I'm just going to be a steward to this passion and to this um, opportunity that I've been given to work on this. Um, but all that's being said, I've got to work on myself and I've got to be, you know, I've got to live my life and got to be, um, healthy in order to work well and work hard and constructively on this project. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's the biggest freedom I can find is like one, it's, it's not who I am as much as I want it to succeed. It's not me. Um, and it's just not, yeah. I can't save the world with this. Uh, and sometimes I think I can. Uh, so it's, it's free when I'm like, you know, it's whatever. Like this is not, this is not all me. It's cool. It's, it's free. You couldn't have said it better. You're speaking my language, girl. So as we close up, you know, I, um, I would love to hear what are you, I always love hearing. What are some of your favorite things at the moment? Your favorite show, music, books, speakers. What are you loving? Yeah. What am I loving? Um, as you say book, I'm literally staring at Harry Potter on my nightstand right now. Um, love Harry Potter. But I've never oh. read the books. And I and I decided I was going to go and start reading through the books. So I'm on the third one right now. And I just read it before I go to bed to help my mind settle down because that's hard for me. And that helps me go to sleep well. So, man, I've, yeah, I've been reading through Harry Potter. Um, television show. I'm all about the show. Jane the Virgin right now. It's so awesome. I, I – if y'all haven't seen it, go watch it. It is witty and it is smart and it's so real. It just like presents life in a very real um, sense. Um, also, it's like a super 
kind of soap opera um, narrative. So it's kind of crazy, but also real at the same time. Um, but those, yeah, those are really great for me to wind down. Music, man, I'm all over the place. I'm so all over the place with music. Um, but gotta be honest, I've been listening to J. Cole's new album. A lot. Really in the rap game right now. So good. <laughs> I, yeah. That, that um, is hilarious. You and David can chat about yes. your rap, your loves of rap. Yes, I love David it and I have deep conversations about the meaning behind these <laughs> lyrics of this rap song, and I'm like, really? <sighs> no, yeah. There's definitely a lot of crap rap out there, but there, yeah. there's some good stuff out there too. Yeah, there is. There really is. I, I have been enlightened this year. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear it. <laughs> well, it is always a joy to get to chat with you, and I'm so glad you've gotten to join me today. Yes, thanks again for having me. This has been fun. You guys, isn't Jacqueline the coolest? I knew you would love the work she's releasing into this world with her team at Scout Fox Productions. You'll have to check them out on all social media platforms and on their website to keep up with what they're doing. As always, you can find Radiant Magazine at radiantmagazine.org and on all social media platforms as well. If you love the music from this episode, be sure to check out Kayla on iTunes. And it was produced by Christian Sager. Until next week. With Metro and the best deal in wireless, whatever your goal, however you hustle, you can rule your day. Get two lines with 5G access included for just $35 a month per line, period with taxes and regulatory fees always included, so you know exactly how much you pay every month. All on America's largest 5G network at no extra charge. Plus, at Metro, get the latest 5G phones, like a Samsung Galaxy for less than 100 bucks when you switch. That's the best deal in wireless, so you can take control of your day wherever it takes you. Metro by T-Mobile, empowering you to rule your day. Requires auto pay. First month is $40 per line for two lines. Samsung A51 requires port from eligible carrier and ID validation limited to two per account. Coverage not available in some areas. See Metro by T-Mobile.com or store for details. The final countdown has begun. Whatever you do, don't miss the end of year clearance this weekend at Levin's. Save up to 60% on closeout special buys and doorbusters. Plus, get an extra 15% off all sale merchandise and take up to 60 months to pay. Save 308 on our Wilmington Sofa Chase. Now 891 with extra discounts. Plus, get the 100th anniversary hybrid mattress. Now only 398. The final countdown. Now at Levin Furniture and Mattress.